0: outlined how accounting Good fuck. what, did
1: not what kind of likeness is that feature. If they were great artists they'll be in a museum I'm, I'm fucking fodder for cartoonists. Now. cartoonists now.
2: To another episode of Gutter Boys. Gutter Boys is a small press comics podcast about the ins and the outs, the highs, and the very deep, endless lows of making comics. I'm your host, JB, with my what? I said endless. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. What?
0: Endless. Like you said endless lows. It was a new uh, part of the spiel. So I was like, endless. I was just backing you up. Endless. Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Uh, I'm your host, JB, with my co host, Cam. Today we're joined by Max Huffman.
0: Carbro, north carolina based
2: cartoonist yes yeah uh we talk a bit uh, about his uh his work uh, his new book which is out on
0: ad house uh so go check that out if you haven't yeah uh have your shop order you a copy of cover not final oh yeah
2: and uh before we get into the interview as usual we're gonna hit up some news and shout outs so uh breaking news seichun is still cringe so that's good (laughs)
0: Yeah, uh, I think uh, he pr- he uh, put in on his Twitter that it's pronounced Z, Z-Tune, which, you know, I don't even really respect dude enough to uh, yeah, pronounce that's why that I, right. Yeah,
2: that's why I mispronounced it. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. No, okay. I don't care.
0: No, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so this guy, is TKO still a thing? Because last I heard, this guy was the head of TKO Productions, who we've got friends over there that do books there, uh, you know, Dan McDade and Artyom. Yeah, but Wait, uh, is, uh,
2: is one of the guys that got really mad about the lettering
0: thing, was that – a guy from TKO, I would not be surprised to be honest. Okay, I would I would not be surprised yeah. at all.
2: Yeah, because I, I remember getting a lot of DMs when that happened, and people were just like TKO's trash.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like there, they, they owed cool...
2: me months for money. Yeah,
0: there was a guy named Jared Fletcher who does like a lot of the logo work for TKO, but that dude's cool. So it probably wasn't him. That's only yeah. Like no, who... I don't think it was.
2: Yeah, no. It yeah, was, it was that. that dude's uh, cool. It was
0: that white dude. The uh, fucking I oh, can't remember uh, his name. Pat Brassard or whatever the fuck his name I, is. The guy yeah, that's I always do not crusading. Yeah. yeah, that. Yeah fuck that guy. He always has me blocked. Go type on your computer, bro. Yeah.
2: He was like trying to make veiled threats. It was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> It's like oh oh, yeah yeah good job being a tough guy about defending the you know the sanctity of letterers the people that you pay the least yeah good job
0: yeah totally the uh fucking this z dude though has the most if you guys don't know for our listeners that don't know you can look this dude up on twitter and um he will let you know that he is currently uh working on the gremlins reboot for hbo max now and um it's kind of weird because uh he seems to post like he's an ally of course but of course all his tweets come off is very tone deaf and he is the uh, opposite of an ally. Z is always uh, tweeting about his outfit of the day which to be completely honest looks like it's from karmaloop.com in 2011. <laughs> I know because I shopped there in 2011 and, uh, you know, I just see the fits and I'm like, man, you know, Kanye released graduation like 14 years ago now, bro. It's time to let it go. Which makes sense. He's like, what, 43 or some shit? Yeah, totally. You know, and he was tweeting about how the shit sounds made up, to be completely honest. Let me pull up this. uh, It's him. Trying to be funny.
2: Trying to be funny, trying to dunk on a clearly mentally ill homeless guy.
0: Yes. So his uh, tweet from 18 hours ago, just to set you up for what you're looking for here. My name is Z, pronounced Z. I'm just doing T dollar sign E for comedy. Love you guys, because he's changed his display name to T dollar sign E, because that's really funny, I guess. I don't I don't know if that's going to get over with a lot of people, but uh, it's not over with me. Also, Z uh, does a uh, thing where he boosts an Asian-American creator every day this year. As a member of the Asian community, I just want to say in a fictional setting that the Chappelle racial draft was a thing. I would put Z on the uh, trading block and you know, you all can- yeah. And
2: like <laughs> a real ally, he's just signal boosting people that have like 100,000 followers. <laughs> it's yeah. It's just like, uh, who do you think doesn't know who these people are? <laughs>
0: like- <laughs> okay, I found the thread. Do you want to read it though since I've been talking or? Do you want me sure. To yeah, it? yeah, yeah. So, yeah.
2: he starts off, the guy in front of me getting coffee. Here's the thing, though. Like, he has a very specific kind of following. Okay. Like, it. you know, it's like the – it's two types of people. It's like the hashtag resist people. Right. Right. So, you know, we already know that th- those people are just going to just be absolutely just baby-brained idiots. Yeah, yeah. And then the other is like comic simps.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that adds up. And then I could see a third group of uh, Elizabeth Warren supporters really liking this dude.
2: I put that in the hashtag resist category.
0: Okay, there you go.
2: You know, like it's the same fucking mentality.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, But
2: anyway, he tweets, the guy in front of me getting coffee, ordered coffee, black, no cream, no sugar, no milk. That stuff will kill you. You know that, right? The barista responded, sir, you have to wear a mask in here. Nice. Update. While the dude declined to wear a mask, his credit card was also declined and he was kicked out. And then his next tweet, he took a photo of this guy who's outside and he writes, now he's across the street trying to use the Wi-Fi. Now, keep in mind, this dude is wearing a kimono, a backpack.
0: And he's like seeming to like be like perched at a corner of a building. To like try and get signal from somewhere on the inside while he's outside. Like you could definitely tell this guy doesn't have anywhere to go.
2: Yeah. No, this dude is. And also, I'm assuming because he's based out of LA, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So, this looks like it's probably downtown LA if I'm going to have to guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, if you know anything about downtown LA, has one of the largest homeless populations in the country. Totally. Yep. Uh, and these are people that have, like, severe mental illnesses, you know, drug addiction, all just all across the gamut, all the bad things that are not being treated because LA is a broken, broken place.
0: Yeah. Uh, but- yeah, Him just, like, dunking. It's just really gross because, like, he tries to be this, like, performative ally all the fucking time. And then for him to, like, you know, take a picture of a homeless person and, like, dunk on them to thousands of for followers. Clicks. like clicks.
2: For clicks. Yeah. At.
0: Who gives a shit, what dude? Go of of ahead and post your post fat fucking, you have to be. your Air Maxes that you wear twice and clean with a toothbrush because you have nothing better going on in your life. Like, fucking idiot. And then, you know, in our group chat, I won't say who uh, said this, but it was a good zinger that I feel like belongs on the show. Someone said the best part about all this is that uh, Gremlins probably will not get a second season. So.
2: <laughs> well, here's the thing. is like, Gremlins <laughs> as a sequel to the second movie has been delayed and been in developmental hell for the last, like... 20 30 years now
0: yeah so yeah it's actually a uh, animated 10 episode series oh
2: yeah that shit's not going
0: anywhere yeah you're gonna get literally one season so while you're over here tweeting about how sick your fucking uh you know outfits are and your hbo money all the time like it's super fucking tone deaf dude like you're not really a fucking ally dude you just say this shit because it looks good for your fucking you know logistics on instagram and twitter
2: Again, it's just for the hashtag
0: resist people. Yeah, it's who are fucking, also
2: classes pieces of shit anyway. So shouldn't surprise anyone.
0: I will say this: uh, Dan McDade and Art Young both did great books art wise with uh, Z. So if you find them, don't knock them. It's unfortunate they got paired up with that dude.
2: Yeah, it's amazing. Like the way Hollywood is structured, it's like the least creative people find success.
0: Dude, totally. It's like it's, and it just, it's amazing.
2: It, it's like. You can just fail upwards constantly there.
0: Yeah. Like, and that's the thing is like, if Gremlins doesn't get a second season, which let's be real, an animated Gremlins show in fucking 2021, it's going to, it's, yeah, I don't see that. I don't have high hopes for that getting a second season. Like, he's going to get another show. It's like, it's going to fail and he's going to get another show.
2: Right. Yeah. It doesn't matter if this show succeeds or not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Is the TKO, game is rigged. Yeah, is TKO set up like a bad idea, like Dave was saying? Like, are they one of those IP farm companies? Do you know anything about them?
2: Uh, from what little I know of, it seems like they pretty much are following that trend.
0: Okay. Yeah, checks out. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh,
2: so, hey, man, good luck on your IP farm. Uh, yeah. Good luck, uh, you know, dunking on homeless people. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh yeah, it's just uh it, it's amazing watching a grown man have a fucking midlife crisis every tweet.
0: Totally. Like it uh, he looks when he posts his fucking outfits, it just has like b rad from Malibu's Most Wanted vibes. I mean, obviously the style is like, you know, a decade past that, but it's just really funny seeing this dude dress like, of like Jamie a Kennedy vibes from
2: him like yeah, totally. Late 90s, early 2000s, Jamie Kennedy humor.
0: Yeah, Jamie Kennedy styled by Kanye West in 2007 when he was listening to Daft Punk. Yeah, that's what yeah, this yeah, dude's yeah. vibe is. Yeah. So pretty, yeah. pretty,
2: uh, pretty embarrassing. But what you yeah. Know?
0: And uh, I actually because I'm pretty sure I don't know if he runs the TKO Twitter account. I think that he does. But I totally fucking cucked him into liking a tweet. They posted like TKO is notorious for posting cringe content like quote tweet this with your four favorite superheroes to assemble your own Avengers team. And it's like, yo, that's not even your company. <laughs> like, why are you <laughs> telling people to make an Avengers or whatever? Yeah, it's I all about it. like I love it when an clicks. indie label
2: Signal Boosts a major multi-conglomerate company.
0: Yeah, I love that shit. So, like, (laughs) TKO had tweeted out, like, they took that, like, tweet format joke that was like, you wake up as the head of TKO Studios. What is your first move? And I quote tweeted it and I wrote, ask myself what the fuck TKO Studios is. And they like the tweet. (laughs) Yeah,
2: the Asian council has spoken. You can have him
0: back. Yeah, he's up on the trade block. Z, you're up on the trade block, bro. You and all your Nikes.
2: All right. So, another little bit of news. This one is like bittersweet. DC announced uh, a new Fables title. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now, here's the good news. They tapped our boy Brian Level to do the art. Yeah. Shout out, Brian. Uh, Brian is an amazing artist and probably one of the sweetest, most genuine guys that you can meet in terms of like big two publishing. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, as per usual with these types of jobs, you don't really get to pick who you work with. You know, it's not like small press where you have more creative control about what's being produced because yeah. they don't see you as a creator. You're a content driver. That's all. You're just mm-hmm. making content for them using their established IPs.
0: Yeah. I mean, case in point was on our last Patreon episode when Dave said that he asked for two artists and they are like, no, actually you get this guy.
2: Right. And
0: that's typical. Mm-hmm.
2: So, here's the bad news. Uh, the writer is a uh, noted Bret Bart asshole, Bill Willingham.
0: Yeah, shout out to that dude. Uh,
2: now, if you don't know who uh, Bill Willingham is, uh, just Google his name. Yeah. Uh, you, you'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll have a good time. That's like at least like 15 minutes, you know, just to kill time and, and have a good laugh.
0: If you want to picture what this guy looks like, just close your eyes. When you picture comic book nerd, that's it.
2: Yep, pretty much. But like to the logical conclusion... Of being like an alt-right shithead. Right. Yeah. You know, like once you finally come to terms with not getting pussy, this is what happens. (laughs) You begin going on these like weird rants about women and constantly talking about Israel for some reason because you think that's going to get you laid, I guess. I I don't know. I really don't know what like his his end game is here.
0: Yeah, I don't either. I guess he hasn't done enough to get like formally canceled, though, because he writes for a quote-unquote respectable publication. What's the deal there?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, there's. I think we've talked about this before, but both Marvel and DC have a very long and rich history of protecting predators.
0: Yeah, yeah, true. So and, I guess and it's just, just, just general, general pieces of
2: shit like yeah. Ethan. Yeah. So it shouldn't really come to any surprise that their amazing editorial staff uh, would rehire this guy and unfortunately team him up with uh, our boy Brian. Honestly, I, I, you know, I can't speak on Brian's behalf, but I'd imagine that it doesn't really matter if this book fails or not. Like he's getting paid either way.
0: Yeah, because they're doing a Fables Batman crossover. Because I mean, no disrespect to Brian, but I mean that's definitely a DC move. Hey, let's plug Batman into our other properties to get some uh, sales boost going on. Right. And And uh,
2: Brian's done Batman stuff, so it makes sense for them to hire him. What doesn't make sense is hiring Brett Bart guy to write this huge title, this crossover title that you're supposed to be making a big deal out of.
0: And that's the thing is like they're bringing Fables back. So it's like, okay, if that guy's going to write Fables, fine. It's the same team that worked on that book the entire time, you know, whatever. But Fables is a book that is known for like offshoots that gave other artists and writers a chance. So it's like, why would you let this dude write Batman, your cash cow?
2: Yeah, it's almost like there's some sort of boys' club with editors. No way. Huh. Really makes
0: you think. Yeah.
2: But, uh, you know, we wish nothing but success to Brian, and uh, we hope Bill, uh, I don't know, shits himself to death. (laughs) (laughs) You know, whatever.
0: Parody, parody. Yeah, for anybody that uh, missed the uh, Surly Gutter Boys, I guess this is your episode. We uh, hit two people up on this one. Yeah.
2: But again, nothing but respect for our boy Brian.
0: Yeah. Respect to Brian. No respect to Bill. Yeah.
2: And you know, it sucks too. It's like, you know, once he got the news, because he didn't even know about this until it got announced, because that's pretty typical with the big two. They're not going to- Yeah. You're going to be in the dark up until the very last second. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I know he has to play nice, put on a good face, smile, and say, ah, you know, really happy to be on board, yada, yada, yada. Like, you know- right. Typical copy and paste responses. And I understand that. Like it's a business. That's like how he makes a living, you know, uh, especially what with the, uh, you know, he's a tattoo artist, but that industry took a huge hit because of COVID. So, I'd imagine this is pretty much like his main source of income. So, yeah, it's 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 unfortunate. Glad he got the bag. Uh, hope Bill has a very heavy bag thrown on him. <laughs> and falls on his head, yeah. and um, yeah, I it's just it's really baffling. I don't I don't know. Like it, I'm again, I'm not speaking on Brian's behalf, but I'd be fucking pissed.
0: Yeah, yeah, same here. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, get your paper. Nobody's mad at you, but yeah, I would be pissed if they pulled the wool over me and were just like, oh yeah, here you go. You know, <laughs> like- yeah, yeah.
2: That's just that's just a shitty move. And also, like personally, I am genuinely surprised that a big publisher like DC would do this. Especially because, like, if, if woke culture is so out of hand now, explain mm-hmm. this. Someone explain this to me, please. Because, like, you know, we make fun of, like, you know, hyper-woke, bordering on self-parody shit. Like, you, you see it on Twitter all the time. Right. But I don't think that really has any real impact outside of Twitter. No, it doesn't. And I, this is fucking proof of it. Yeah. Like, yeah. he literally writes for Brett Bart. Like, I don't know how more absurd you can get, but whatever.
0: Yeah, another uh, another thing in comics that needs to be fixed. Add it to the list of shit that's never going to get done. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, Fables is back in uh, January of uh, 2022, and then I think this book comes out in May. So if you want to support Brian Level, pick up the book. But you know, actually, you know what? If you
2: if you want to support Brian Level, just hit him up directly and get a commission.
0: Yeah, or pick up his book with uh, friend of the show, Kate Sharon, Change yes. the Grave. Yes.
2: Actually, now, yeah, now that you mention it, pick up all the new titles that are going to be coming out and have come out, uh, that are not the big two, uh, where he is helming the creative process. Yeah. And, uh, that's going to be better money spent. It's going to signal to those publishers that, you know, he's a commodity. Mm -hmm. Uh, so do that instead. Don't, don't buy this book. Like it's not going to, yeah, just don't do it. For sure. All right. All right. So, I think that's all for news. I guess we can move on to shout outs.
0: Yeah. So, we got quite a bit. Today, actually, uh, we got a small package from Twitter and Instagram user at Blocked Pins. No spaces. They sent us uh, two pins that said Blocked by Rob Liefeld, which I never addressed on the show. But uh, Rob, you're still my boy, man. Hit that on block for me.
2: <laughs> uh, I've yet to be Blocked by Rob, so I can't really wear that pin.
0: Yeah, I've got it here. It's gonna be. It's gonna be here for you until you uh, until you get blocked. If you do, I don't really see you uh, going. Well, you never know. You might go in on that motherfucker one day. Uh, you you so know when, what?
2: This I I can't. I can't get myself to do it. I've done it and then immediately deleted it because I felt bad.
0: Yeah, because he's just like. I mean, he does have real pimp energy because he just doesn't give a fuck. I mean, he truly I doesn't wouldn't give even a call
2: fuck. it pimp energy. It's more like simpleton energy. It's you know like it's, it's like almost the, like he's like incapable. Like what was that thing uh, that that got announced and he was like immediately
0: the tweeted. Archie thing.
2: <laughs> yeah
0: he <laughs> yeah wait explain that go ahead and explain it to the listeners. So Rob was supposed to write like a four issue write and draw a four issue series for the uh, Archie superhero line, which is like I think the Shield and uh, like the Red Fox, like. Some of those old like IPs that they own from like the 20s and 30s or whatever, and Rob was uh, tasked with you know revitalizing it. So uh, he did a lot of work on issue one, and then Archie leaked like Archie's actual like the company uh, leaked in a press release the like some spoilers that he didn't want coming out. So he was just like, I'm done. I'm leaving the book. So now they've had to go trash his script and hire a whole new team to do this like event that was supposed to bring all these heroes back. But Rob was like, No, nah, you posted a spoiler. I'm out. <laughs> Which to me is like I didn't. Want to do this shit in the first place? This is just like the easiest reason for me to get out of this. But um, I don't even know. He's got to have some kind of crazy contract that allows him to do that, though.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really great tweets from him. You know, yeah, like I, him, I, I him actually tweeting. I love Savage Dragon while also still blocking Eric Larson.
0: <laughs> yeah, like literally less than a month ago, Larson tweeted about how he was blocked by Liefeld. And yeah, Liefeld's just posting his own drawings of Savage Dragon being like, I love Savage Dragon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and,
2: <laughs> and you know, what I'm saying. Could, so, you could interpret that as a pimp move.
0: That, so, you know, what is that, that thing called with politics? Like the horseshoe theory where you're so far left, you actually he's become so like-
2: so stupid that he's genius.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's, that's Liefeld right there. He's such a simp. He's a pimp. So- yeah, that's – yeah, nothing but love for Rob. He's a, he's another Jim Rugg where it's like, yeah, you can hate me or whatever. Actually, Rob doesn't even know who the fuck I am. He just hit block. But, you know, I still respect that man. So, shout out Rob Liefeld. <laughs> uh, real shout outs though. We do want to shout out Andrew Pilkington. Uh, That's at Pilko Art P-I-L-K-O Art On Instagram. Uh, They sent us over copies Of Mole Number 6. They're an Australian cartoonist. Um, Really nice Magazine sized issue. I haven't read Any of their work before but the uh, reading Experience was good on its own So I suggest uh, checking that comic out You can check their website out at www.andrew-pilkington.com
2: And then uh, also big Shout out to our friend across the Pond, uh, Michael Kennedy Uh, He sent over some copies of of, uh, mint as well as this really lovely mini comic uh, issue 1.5 of mint
0: dude I love that format Michael's always posting these like little comics that size that he gets on his story and I'm like dude what the fuck like I guess it's like a thing they're doing over in Europe
2: yeah it, this is great I, I love his work
0: hmm He'll actually He's, be on the next main feed episode. Yes. Uh, spoilers. So, spoilers. Yeah. Uh, he also
2: sent over uh, Mad Dog, which is a, a fun little comic. Uh, and
0: a, a and giant uh, Riso zine as well.
2: Oh, also, he sent over this large newsprint copy of uh, Putrefaction and Hate. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, which has some really lovely art in it. I like that his style kind of shifts around when he wants it to.
0: Yeah, it does. Like The, uh, the mint issues look nothing like the uh, mini comic or the- RISO newsprint thing at all like it looks like two different people it's incredible
2: yeah you can tell this guy is just he knows what's up like yeah i mean like from a from a skill perspective and like a design perspective he can do it all
0: and he sent us over his four pages for gutter magazine and they were Mind-blowingly good. Awesome. We'll get into this on the next episode with him, but, you know, he does weekly illustrations for, like, Wired Magazine, and uh, he was just in McSweeney's, so just really killer illustrator who luckily is making comics so uh, definitely check out Michael Kennedy's work he was also in that uh, freak uh, zine that Caroline Cash was in that uh friend of the show Christian Costello was involved with editing and putting out uh, you can actually find Michael on Instagram though at Michael Kennedy illo so um, yeah check out their work and uh, you know we'll be putting up questions for Michael before the next episode and another quick shout out to uh, previous guest of the show Kalani Caraballo Kalani just dropped issue 3 of Street Dreams his uh, independent fanzine about hip hop uh, it looks like issue 3 features, you know, a lot of New York rappers, including some uh, really cool articles uh, written by Kalani and uh, a couple other contributors. Uh, you can check that out at Street Dreams Fanzine on Instagram and grab a copy at uh, streetdreamsfanzine.bigcartel.com.
2: And then lastly, we have uh, Spencer Afonso. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. Uh, he was nice enough to send over some of his work, including uh, Issue 1 of Villains Like Us. Mm-hmm. A uh, storybook, Love is for Weirdos, and a uh, Portuguese cookzine. And I'm not going to even attempt to pronounce this, but uh, it's really, I mean, these are fun. These are really nice. So uh, shout out Spencer. He also included a note. It reads, Hey JB, just wanted to say thanks for putting Gutter Boys out into the world. That's right. I am solely
0: responsible. (laughs) (laughs) He wrote me a note too, but (laughs) Uh, (laughs) it's been great. (laughs) I'll let you read yours.
2: (laughs) It's been great to listen to and actually kind of feel connected to a non culty cartoonist community while trying to make shit this past year. Hope you enjoy this assortment and bear with my shitty DIY print job on Love is for Weirdos, your pal Spencer. You can check out his work at SpencerAfonso.com or on Instagram at Spencer Afonso, that's SpencerAfonso. That's S P E N C E R A F O N S O. So go check him out.
0: Yeah, I'm a really uh, big fan of the stuff they've been posting on Instagram. They've been posting a lot of uh, really cool paintings. There was a uh, basketball painting they posted recently, if I recall correctly, that was really good. And uh, the cool thing about their comics is like so unique style-wise that uh, it almost looks like it's like fit to be a cartoon already, but it doesn't sacrifice the fact that it's a comic and it's not just like a cartoon pitch, if that makes sense. Yeah.
2: It actually, when I was flipping through the comic, it reminded me of my friend Allie Cantarella, who's based out of Chicago. She's kind of moved away from comics. She mainly Mm -hmm. does illustration now, but uh, the style is somewhat similar. It reminded me of it. But yeah, great work, Spencer. Uh, We want to see more of it. Hell yeah. All right. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be joined by our special guest, Max Huffman. So stick around.
1: We'll be right back. Soggy Landing. Soggy Landing is a tropical island destination full of magic and adventure. Soggy Landing. Soggy Landing's parlors serve the grog of your dreams. So soggy, so strong. Soggy Landing's board of tourism warns, Wizards not welcome. Any wizards will be summarily executed. Executed. No warlocks either. Soggy Landing's Punch and Judy show you the part when Miss Piggy and Kermit fall. What in the world? Soggy Landing is a webcomic that you can read at studygroupcomics.com. Come to Soggy Landing, there's There's plenty plenty to do in the rain. rain.
2: This program is brought to you in part by a generous donation of $12 by the Michael Sweater Foundation for the Arts. At Michael Sweater Foundation for the Arts, we are committed to supporting stuff that rocks. Michael Sweater encourages you to also sign up for the Gutter Boys Patreon and to buy the latest issue of Strangers, Bubbles, and other zines about comics. Also, please make more zines about comics and comics history. It doesn't even have to be good. Also, Silver Sprocket rules.
1: Now, back to our program.
0: And welcome back from the break. Uh, we are here joined today with Carlborough, North Carolina based cartoonist Max Huffman, who has a brand new book out that uh, came out today, actually retail uh, the day we're recording called Cover Not Final from uh, Ad House Books. It's a really uh, nice little volume here. But uh, before we get into that, how are you doing, Max?
1: I'm doing good. Thanks for having me.
0: Hell yeah. Glad to have you. So, um, uh, this is your first book that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you've done a lot of comics like self published, but is this your first time working with
1: a publisher? Yeah, yeah. This is the first time I've ever had a book come out that I didn't pay for myself.
0: Congratulations on that. And you went with Ad House too, who always makes like really nice books. So, uh, how did that come up? Did you, uh, you know, pitch to them? Did they hit you up for a project?
1: Yeah, I went with Ad House because there were so many like interested parties. It was like a real bidding war. Nice. No, I just, I, 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 I'm totally kidding. I just, no, <laughs> zero interest. I cold emailed a couple of publishers that I thought it might be a good fit for. And Chris at AdHouse House is someone who I've met a couple times at shows. He's like a super lovely dude. And, uh, yeah, he, he bit as it were. He was interested. He was really into like the vision of the book as a package, as like this Archie Digest kind of thing on newsprint and full color. And it's kind of a a big swing for like a, a first book, an unknown quantity kind of. But yeah, super grateful to Chris for putting this out.
0: I've gotten a few mini-comics from you before this book had come out, and I think those had, like, you know, dated from the past few years. What made you want to jump from self-publishing to trying to get something published? Was it just, like, the story in Cover Not Final, like the collection of comics that you felt strong enough about, or did you just feel like it was time to make that jump?
1: Yeah, I've had a bunch of free time the past year or so, and um, I've been making a bunch of stories in this world kind of for uh, five or six years, and a uh, bunch of them, I was kind of looking at the body of work sitting inside, and uh, some of them went really well together. I was working on a few new stories. Uh, I, I redrew like one of the oldest comics that I was I was still into. And I was like, oh, this like actually comes together. These are all like little puzzle pieces that, that form a book. And also I can't afford to put out a book, but I'd like it to be one.
0: Right. No, definitely. So um, from here on out, do you plan on just trying to get stuff published or are you going to still do self publishing stuff on the side as well?
1: I have no idea, man. I think I'll probably stay self-publishing for, like, smaller projects, floppy stuff. Hell yeah. Just because, I mean, the sad fact is that it's the biggest way, like, you can, I can anyway, support myself or have a little bit of money coming in on smaller things is to still do it myself. Hopefully, like, you know, there'll be shows again someday. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of, like, in the early stages of thinking about a new big thing that I'll probably serialize by myself and then try and shop around again. For
0: sure. Now, was this book always planned, the new ad house book? uh, Was this always planned to come out in 2021 or were you going to put it out last year and the pandemic kind of derailed it?
1: Uh, It kind of happened really fast. I like put the book together. I finished the last couple stories and I sent it off to Chris in like November of 2020. And he was just like, hell yeah, I'll just print this with my next batch of books and we'll put it out in June. So it was like a really quick turnaround, which is honestly such a blessing because I can't imagine just like sitting on it for much longer. Yeah,
0: for sure. And I mean, you know, it's uh, honestly, you know, I've told you off air and through messages that you're one of my favorite cartoonists working and it's uh, I can't encourage the listeners more to uh, go get this book. It looks phenomenal. The coloring on it, the paper stock. And I mean, just the way that you draw is, you know, something that I also wanted to get into as well. So abstract, I feel like is a easy way to put how your comics come off in comparison. I feel like there's like a lot of high art focus in the background there. Is that deliberate or is that just me as a reader interpreting it that way?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of, like, input, what I am absorbing and trying to get back out, it is a lot of, like, art more than maybe traditional comics. Well, I was gonna say,
2: like, after going through your work, not just on what I'd seen on Instagram, but because I recently got my package in the mail from strangers, shout out to Eddie... But I I really, I mean, I've been a fan of your work ever since we started following each other, which was, I guess, not that long ago, really. And uh, the one thing that I picked up initially from your work was there's a lot of like German expressionistic moments in these books. It actually reminds me a lot of my friend Onsmith Jeremy, who's based out of Chicago. You might like his work if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, Okay, I haven't. Very similar in terms of like approach to abstraction and forms. And he mostly works in black and white. So I think that's really the only difference, but in terms of like figuration and thinking about architecture and stuff like that you guys work pretty similarly and i'm he's like one of my favorite chicago cartoonists so it's no surprise that i really really dig your work
1: oh thank you yeah i guess like i love comics and like the entire spectrum of what people put out but i also yeah i'm definitely taking cues from fine art and things i like outside of the comic sphere a lot of designers, a lot of like German expressionists that I love, like Max Beckman and mm-hmm. and painters like Feininger and Stuart Davis and designers like Braulio Amato. Yeah. And I'm really just trying to take in as much as I can, keep myself interested. I've always been like a visuals first guy. I don't mm-hmm. really read comics usually for the, the story or the writing. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just trying to, to make what I like. Cover
2: Not Final would be a good read to pick up if you just finished Austerius Polyp in terms of like how you're doing your your forms and your approach to design. It's it's really, really smart. I'm really digging it.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, Mazzucchelli's a good. Oh, obviously. Yeah, for
2: sure, for sure. We always bring him up. He's he's one of those guys that like to me, like top ten living artists, period.
1: Totally. He taught at SVA where I went and I, they really make you do like a Sophie's Choice where I came into my senior year and I had to choose between Kelly and uh Gary Panner. Oh, oh, shit. That's mean. Yeah. That's just mean.
0: <laughs> you chose Panner?
1: Yeah, I chose Panner. My best friend chose like Kelly. We were still like, and you get kind of like a cross-pollination. We were trying to sit in on each other's classes and shit. Yeah,
2: you're paying for the classes. You might as well.
1: Yeah, goddamn God right. <laughs> so what was uh your experience at SVA like? SBA is crazy, man. It's, um, man, it's so many things. Like, on the one hand, like, it's a complete racket. Like, SBA is a for-profit <laughs> school, right? Their acceptance rate is, like, crazy high. They're just trying to get as many people in as possible. And it's totally, you get out what you put in, or you, you really gotta chase down the stuff that you want out of it. Right,
2: yeah, that seems to be the case with most, if not all, private art schools,
1: Totally, totally. And for me, just my personal experience was amazing because I knew what I wanted to do. I knew what I wanted out of comics and I was able to make the connection with friends, amazing artists, learn under amazing artists and like run around New York for four years just thinking about comics. It was crazy.
0: And did you want to do comics before you went to school at SBA? Oh yeah, like
1: all my life. It's it's really sad. It's the only thing I've ever cared about doing. (laughs) So, like, were you drawing them as a kid or, like, a teenager? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I've got Batman fan comics from when I was five. I've got, like, the Calvin and Hobbes ripoffs when I was eight. I was doing, like, I did, like, uh, painfully public, like, uh, web comics in high school where I was, like, super Casey Green influenced and, like, trying to make, like, pictures for sad children. Yeah, all my life.
0: So, when you say, like, super public, did that web comic get traction?
1: Yeah, man. I, I I was on like Comics Alliance and like just, it was super minor. It was like very, very mild. And I think a lot of it too was that I was a kid and that was like kind of a novelty thing. It was like, oh, these comics are pretty funny for like a 14 year old. He's doing his little webcomic thing. But yeah, it, it got, thankfully most of it is uh, is no longer online, but <laughs> uh, it got a little bit of attention.
0: Nice. And are you from North Carolina?
1: Yeah, I grew up in Chapel Hill. which is like unc and then after school i moved back to carborough which is basically still chapel hill it's just chapel hill west and it's kind of like more towny less college student it's like super animal crossing village kind of it's like i can see the town hall from my from my front window (laughs) hell yeah (laughs) do you like living there I love it, man. Yeah. Like, winding down from SVA, like, my senior year, I was, like, in total denial about the fact that I had just spent four years at cartoon school, and I was about to graduate, and I had no plans, I had no job, and, uh, like, the only option... My <laughs> graduation day was, oh, you're going to have to go home, man. But it's worked out really, really amazing. It's like super cheap here. I work at a rock club or I used to when yeah. there were a rock club. <laughs> it's like huge load off in terms of I just don't think I'm wired for like the big city. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think that's, you know, with me, I'm more comfortable with staying in Kentucky now because the shows give me that like uh, it scratches that itch of needing to travel to a big city
1: absolutely yeah
0: and And, yeah you do it multiple times a year you know it's almost like it doesn't matter where you live you know
1: right and i get to see all the people that i made those connections with and we're all fucking adults now which is sick for sure if you don't mind me asking are you uh how old are you i am shit how old am i i'm 26 okay cool i'll be 27 uh in july and going back to your experience with art school since you've decided to
0: follow comics and it's something that you wanted to go to school, you know, focusing on, do you feel that art school benefited your comics? Or do you feel like it was a cool experience, but, you know, in the long run, it maybe wasn't worth it?
1: I think it it did benefit my work. I think I would be a cartoonist one way or the other, Mm -hmm. but going to SVA, just like immersing myself in like, culture and finding, like, freaks like me and learning, like, the draftsmanship, you know, the, the tools, that structure and system was really beneficial to me. And a lot of it was, like, filler. Like, you have to spend your whole freshman year doing, like, oil painting, regardless of what your major is. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, like, there were definitely parts of it which were completely extraneous, but other parts that, like, really taught me valuable skills. For sure.
0: Now, have you always thought, you said comics have always been like, you know, a force or present in your life. Have you always thought that you'd end up in independent comics? Or did you want to be like a superhero guy with your Batman fan comics and stuff originally?
1: I think my perception of what I would be in the comics world has changed as my understanding of what comics can be has evolved Mm -hmm. so like basically i've always seen myself as whatever like the newest kind of comics scene that i've found is like when i was in high school i was like yeah i want to be a web comic artist and when i got to college and i found like zines and stuff i was like yeah i want to make like michael deforge art comics and now i don't know i mean i feel like i'm in kind of a, a weird space where i'm like I'm not arty enough for art comics, but my comics are definitely too weird for like <laughs> most people. Which
0: is honestly what I love about them because I feel like you're taking the risk that a lot of these art comics do. But to me, okay, how do I say, I don't want to say that art comics come off as lazy, but I feel like what you're doing is you're making an art comic, but forcing it to have like the structure of a traditional comic to where you've got this entirely like hybrid thing that people usually choose one or the other. And I think the way that you marry those two concepts together is what makes your work stand out to me.
1: Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome to hear.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's like, you know, the way you approach it, but that's just, you know, me reading it. That's how I interpret that stuff. But um, yeah. So how do you approach a comic? You know, like as far as, you know, when you attempt to make one, you mentioned that you don't really read comics for the story. So do you just think of everything from a design standpoint first and then work a story into that?
1: When I'm, like, constructing a comic, it usually comes out of, like, bits or jokes that I've written or, like, these weird little fragmented phrases that I've written down in a notes app. And then from there it becomes like this really like soupy, nebulous sketching process where I have like images that I want to hit or beats that I want to hit. I still think like plotting is really like my weak spot. And I'm I'm basically just trying to string together gags or, or moments or images.
0: Hell yeah. And you did mention that you were going to shows and everything like that. I know you obviously didn't do anything in 2020 because nobody did. But are you planning on hitting shows later in the year?
1: later this year is there stuff happening what's going on i I
0: know space in columbus is apparently happening that's apparently yeah
1: so i I will probably not be going to space in columbus (laughs) yeah (laughs) i feel that so you hitting the road next year Yeah, for sure. The one I'm waiting to see down here is Zine Machine in Durham, which is a really nice kind of zine focused show, but it's like completely open, no jury. It's like a $40 table. It's a really great show. And you can kind of like clean up. If you're a comics person at Zine Machine, it's like people find you and you're not making like poetry or like political patches, which are awesome. But like people are drawn to visual stuff at these shows, especially if they went there looking for comics
0: yeah, for sure. I mean, because a lot of the zine stuff, you know, not to say like it looks alike in aesthetic, but it kind of does because it's usually made, you know, as cheap as possible for that purpose of being, you know, cheap, affordable and so forth. But yeah, I, I do feel like zine fests are either really hit or miss for me. Like I either do really well or just really awful um, in my personal experience. But as far as like the scene down there, is there a pretty good comic scene in North Carolina?
1: Uh, It's like pretty spread out. There's some great local cartoonists. Andrew Neal, friend of the guest. Adam Muse, who I've known for 15 years and I'm like still hoping I'm pronouncing his name right. Julia Gutzite. Audra Stang used to be down here. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But Keith Knight's here. He got a Hulu show and he stayed in Carborough North Carolina. There's good stuff, but it's like super stylistically disparate and it's spread out. There isn't a scene. There's a bunch of talented people who you see at shows. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's kind of
0: how it is in Kentucky. There's just like, you know, a few, but, you know, the majority of the interactions I have are going to be, you know, on the road as far as like with cartoonists and so forth. You
1: think you'll ever leave the Carolinas? It would have to be a scenario where there's like a job that I got or like a a bag of money that I fell into. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard to imagine right now, especially because it's like so uncertain. We're trying to just get back to some kind of standard. Mm hmm. I do fantasize about going back to New York at some point or checking out the West Coast, but I don't know. This is kind of working right now. Yeah, for sure. I don't know how it is there, but I mean, Kentucky, at least, you know, the South is
0: pretty cheap as far as big cities are concerned. I don't know if the Carolinas are cheap or not, but um, I would assume they are as far as comparatively speaking.
1: It's all about finding the spot. When I moved back, I was living in this house with like four other people and we were all paying like 350 a month and like thanks to bernie bucks i was able to find a place for myself actually that has like another room for a studio hell yeah still paying like 800 bucks so it's definitely livable uh and it's hard to imagine like part of finding the deals is like being here so i don't know how i would find something like that somewhere else For sure. Yeah. You just like see like a for rent sign or something like that. And you're like, hey, check this out. Yeah. Yeah, Your friend hits you up and goes, hey, I I heard you're sick of living with four other people. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Speaking a little bit earlier about how you develop your stories in your comics. Once you have your notes and sort of like your beats that you want to hit and the visuals that you want to draw out in your comic, does that then come together as a script? Or do you go straight into thumbs? Or do you just skip all that and just start drawing it out?
1: Yeah, I'm really bad at thumbnailing, especially. I'll develop the written part into something that resembles a script where it's broken up by page and and maybe panel. And then from that I pretty much go straight into page uh, like a final sheet of bristol board which means i usually end up like drawing every page like three times because <laughs> i <laughs> oh, shit <laughs> or or even worse i'll get really deep into a story and figure out like something critical about about how i want to be making this and i'll have to start the whole thing over again wow it's it's dumb <laughs> it's, a re- <laughs> it's a really dumb process but it's
2: the process you're comfortable with
1: right yeah yeah, yeah it's what yeah. works for you right totally totally and I, 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 I try to counteract it by like, I'm, I've been working smaller lately and, um, trying to work simpler graphically. Uh, So when I inevitably have to start over, it's like (laughs) slightly less painful. Right.
0: (laughs) Work smarter, not harder, as we say. I do want to talk about color in your work. I feel like you do use like, you know, flats. There's not like a lot of shading, but I think that you use it to your advantage. And um, I think it's like a standout and I think it makes your line work pop. Do you go into laying out a comic with color in mind before you start? Because to me, it seems like you might have a palette in mind on some of these stories.
1: Yeah, some of them I definitely had a palette in mind. I have to kind of limit myself because color still feels like very foreign to me. I feel like I don't have a great grip on color theory. Mm -hmm. But there are stories like there's a story in the book that's the Whitney Bionicle hot dignity dog that I was like, oh, this needs to be like super bright primary colors because I don't really do that anywhere else. And it's like a big, loud story. If I'm left to my own devices, I kind of always fall back on like the same like purple and teal and orange which are just like the colors that make my brain feel good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So trying to impose some kind of structure. And the other thing I have to do for myself is I'm actually using... You guys are like really big on this guy. I, I use this palette that Ed Pisker posted, uh, <laughs> of like just the colors that you could get in like the Silver Age, and I limit myself to those, and That's that ends cool. up working really nice when when I send something off for offset.
2: Yeah, Hell I yeah. do. I do something similar. I got a swatch of I want to say about like 25 different colors and those are all colors pulled from old Kirby comics
0: awesome oh sick yeah that's tight does it have the textures too or just the color
2: oh no these are just color swatches and then you can add texture on top of that later but
0: Well, I know like Josh Pettinger will like, he'll actually like take actual like color samples from the books, like the patterns and all, and just like somehow turn that into a brush. I need to ask him how he's doing that. But yeah, so I didn't know if that's what you meant. Sorry.
2: Yeah, no, no. I mean, what I'll do is like you have your layer or, or your folder with all your different layers of colors. And then on top of that, I'll put a couple of different paper textures and then overlay right. that over the colors.
0: Yeah. So,
2: then I don't have to deal with, yeah. I mean, the brush thing is cool, but Josh must be some kind of pain pig, because I'm not interested in, like, (laughs) hand-doing that every layer. Like, that sounds miserable.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's going to come after me because I misquoted his process. But, you know, we never let the truth get in the way of a good story here.
2: I think the first comic I ever saw by you was your Sopranos mini-comic that you posted on Instagram
1: very mini comic oh shit yeah yeah yeah
2: (laughs) yeah It's it's like four panels, but man, it is great. It is like my favorite fan Sopranos comic I've seen. Mostly yeah, because oh, man. Mo- mostly because of the way you rendered Christopher uh when you know, <laughs> when you hit the punchline and you know, that thing you do, you know, with, with the eyes being just kind of on one side, it's very Picasso esque, you
1: know. I really yeah, did that, yeah. Oh, thanks. I, I think I had the Tintin tinted like uh that happened naturally in conversation somewhere and then I don't know how I like grabbed it on Sopranos, but I, I thought it would be so Chrissy. Yeah, no, it's perfect. <laughs> it's <'Cause>, like- <laughs> yeah,
2: Sopranos is all about malaprops anyway. So
1: yeah, exactly. It should have been Little Carmine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you have any uh interest in
0: doing more Sopranos related strips in the future?
1: It, uh, it it would have to be gag dependent. I'd have to think of a, a Sopranos joke. Yeah. But if someone wants to uh, pay me to make a a (laughs) Sopranos comic. (laughs) Yeah, I I could see you. I mean, just based on
2: the cover, not final um, stories, I could see you doing an interesting little like wacky crime bit with the Sopranos characters.
0: Maybe we yeah. can uh, get you to draw the characters for a shirt.
1: Oh, that would be oh, sick. There you, <laughs> there you go. If there's one thing I love drawing, it's like doughy, middle-aged man. <laughs> <laughs> <Just like, laughs> there's a lot of good lines in there. Yeah, a lot of character for sure. Uh, don't worry, we will
2: probably tap you for something Sopranos related because doing a Sopranos fan comic, like an anthology style book, is something I've been wanting to do for like the last two years. Yeah, kind so, of talk oh, about man. it on and
0: on. Yeah,
2: it's something we'll probably get to eventually. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Mazzuchelli might put out another book first, but we'll get yeah. to it.
2: Yeah. We'll ask Mazzuchelli to come on board and see if he wants to <laughs> yeah. do do a, a little short about Richie April.
1: Yeah. I mean, what else is he doing? Then teaching, <laughs> like- I guess.
0: Well, we talked to Josh Bayer because I remember and he was saying that he was teaching still, but that he apparently has a project that's in the works, whatever the fuck. That uh, means. okay. So that's news to me. Yeah. And I think he said that on the episode. So I don't think I'm giving out like any kind of private information. But yeah, I mean but you know working on something is relative you know if you ask me at any given time of course i'm working on something but what's the extent of me working on something you know
1: right yeah. right maybe it's like a it's like a barry windsor smith monster situation <laughs> yeah i mean cause <laughs> it's what, asterios been... is what over 10 years old at this point now right yeah oh what, what is it it's like Oh yeah. yeah
0: damn damn time flies it's crazy yeah
2: mortality Anyway, we got some yeah. questions from our <laughs> listeners.
0: <laughs> yeah. And as always, if you want to participate with our show and ask questions for you know us or our guests, follow us on social media at Gutter Boys Pod. We put up questionnaires on our story. You can also join our Discord. Just DM our account for a link. And uh, yeah.
2: All right. First question is from Instagram user Drew Lerman. Uh, they ask, what long-term future or dream projects knock around in y'all's brains? So I guess this is for all of us.
0: Yeah,
1: Max, you're the guest. We'll let you go first. Okay. Uh, let's see. First off, love Drew. Love Drew's comics. Oh, yeah. Incredible cartoonist. I feel like he's really like all about mark making in a way that I empathize with and enjoy. It's kind of like my next big thing is, uh, I'm making an airport comic and airports are something that like, I don't know. I-, I feel like I have two dreams whenever I remember my dreams and there's the good dreams where I'm like in like a, a used comic shop or a record store and I'm finding like Tintins that never came out <laughs> and there's the, there's the, the bad dreams, which are all in fucking airports. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like trying to trying to make the connection as like artificial capitalist spaces they're really interesting to me so yeah i'm trying to make i'm trying to make the the airport comic that is haunting me
2: interesting i have reoccurring dreams about airports and uh, malls when i was younger
1: okay same deal yeah
2: Usually involving, like, zombies or ghouls. I don't know why.
1: Okay, different deal. (laughs) A little slightly different. Yours is
2: actually a little more, like, pleasant in a way.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh, it's uh, empty. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. These dreams, they're not.
2: I wish they were empty, but uh, it would usually be, like, uh, ghouls running around with different weapons. (laughs) Like, one would have a gun, too. It was like Nightmare City, basically. It was just very bizarre. Terrifying as a kid, but, you (laughs) know. Oh, man. Uh, Cam, what about you?
0: I don't know. Like, I uh, I mean, it'd be cool to get like an entire graphic novel. done. I usually work in shorts, but for me to do like a long, like 100 plus page story is something I would like to do long term. I think I've obviously got a lot of work to do as a cartoonist before I can successfully make that a book that I think I'd be proud of. As far as like a dream project, this is going to sound lame as fuck, but I really just want to write like one Batman comic. Even though I hate on mainstream comics, like that would really do it for the inner child in me. And the reason why I say write is just because I feel like drawing it, I would do it as a disservice. And, uh, you know, working in that big two model where I could possibly pick an artist to work with, I would write a script, I think.
2: See, I disagree with you there, Cam. I think you would draw a very interesting Batman comic.
0: I don't want to draw action, man.
1: Uh, I think I could You draw- don't have to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm I want to see the 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 Cam like uh <laughs> Batman cocktail party, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if
2: I'm picking up a, a, a Batman story by Cam Del Rosario, I'm not interested in some sort of like multiple splash page action packed scenario type thing. Yeah, I want him just like dealing with his boredom and psychosis.
0: I just do a, an <laughs> Alfred miniseries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Borderman psychosis from Alfred's point
0: of view. That'd be yeah, interesting. Yeah. Like he Batman only shows up when you know he rolls into the cave for five minutes to cuss out Alfred. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Having to pull bullets out of his back and shit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred just going to therapy. Bruce knows nothing about it. Yeah. No yeah. Right. Perfect. <laughs> what about you, though,
1: dude?
2: Uh. Pff- I mean, long-term, yeah, I would say uh, similar to you, I want to do a long-form book because mm-hmm. uh, I think the most I've done for just one story was 24 pages, which is a single issue <laughs> of a comic. So, not really a whole lot. So, that's that's definitely a goal. Uh, dream project? God, I don't know what my dream project would be to be honest with you. I mean, it would be cool to get to draw a Ninja Turtle book.
0: Yeah, dude, that'd be fucking you know, awesome for you.
2: Yeah, just like an Elseworlds, just not tied to any canon. Yeah, one shot story that would be cool. But as long as it stays with IDW, I'm I'm not interested. If if I'm being honest, yeah, IDW is kind of trash. But it is what it is. So those comics aren't good. Maybe I'll just make a bootleg one.
0: I just like I feel like I, I heard that like they sucked for a while and the IDW run was allegedly critically acclaimed. I don't know anything about it, but apparently like I was reading like the Wikipedia article and apparently people are into those. But it might be like the nerd culture that's into those.
2: There's, there was definitely a shift when IDW had just picked up the license and they were releasing sort of their new story of the turtles had nothing to do with the previous Mirage run. Mm-hmm. It had some interesting points in it, but then it kind of de-evolved into like a very generic uh, YA furry book. Uh, which there's an audience for that. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. I'm I'm glad people are still buying it, but that's not for me. I'm not interested right, right. in that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I'm more interested in the down and dirty, just bizarre homage slash parody of '80s Marvel books.
1: Right. Uh, well, just hearing y'all talking about corporate IPs, uh, getting into that headspace, uh, I would love to draw Bionicle. Let me draw. <laughs> let me oh, draw shit. Legos Bionicle. The reboot.
2: That would actually be really interesting. Yeah,
1: and you know what? Like, I bet you Boom or IDW, somebody's got to own that shit. Somebody's got that. I wonder if it's still DC because DC made the Bionicle comic that you would get. Oh, okay. With Lego, with Lego magazine.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I didn't know that uh, that thing ever existed or anything like that. But yeah, I could see you killing that as far as like from a design standpoint, that would look really cool. There's, so. I mean, there's a
2: lot of toy related comics that I think you would fucking kill, you know, like a ROM comic. <laughs> I,
0: don't
1: <laughs> I don't have, have any in, like, personal affinity for the property, but I'm I'm down. I mean, to- <laughs> me neither. I, I, I,
2: <laughs> have, I just know that it's a toy and that Marvel made comics of it. Okay. Right. Yeah,
1: I was gonna say, yeah, I thought they did something. I'm down to draw some toys. Have y'all seen the, this is kind of a tangent. Have y'all seen the Ron Reggie Jr. Tylenol collab? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Dude, Ron Reggie Jr. got those big pharma checks. Uh, he made like vinyl. I forget. What they, they were like the ouch twins. They were like vinyl toys to promote wow. Tylenol.
0: wow Wow. okay I need to look that up that's cool hell yeah
2: yeah wow okay Advil hit me up I'll do a web comic about Advil (laughs) (laughs) maybe we can get back on Blue Chew's good side and and do a Blue Chew comic
1: Hey, thoughts and prayers for y'all, man. I hope you get back in their good graces. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, shit, hopefully. All right, second
1: question. We didn't question. make enough
2: anti-Semitic jokes during oh, our ad reads <laughs> in order to fulfill their, <laughs> yeah, you know. God.
1: I don't, get, I don't know this bit. I don't get that. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's uh, blue <laughs> blue chew is
2: like a huge sponsor of this other podcast uh come it god
1: say no more yeah please say no more
0: reads they'll just do bits yeah no yeah and they they do gangbusters blue chew apparently yeah all righty well uh second question from our instagram came from user montavarius montavarius asked max what is your nba jam high score what team do you play with
1: Okay. I've never kept track of like actual like box scores, but I at my local arcade did beat all twenty nine teams. That's tournament mode, so there's no like AI fuckery on the cabinet's part. Play the Charlotte Hornets. Uh okay. here's my trick. First half, you play Alonzo Morning and Hersey Hawkins. You got Hersey Hawkins, you shoot threes all day. You got Alonzo Morning, he dunks. Then second half, you make the sub. You bring in Larry Johnson for hawkins (laughs) and larry johnson is fresh and a fresh larry johnson has like an eight three-pointer rating wow (laughs) and and then you just truck you just truck to the end (laughs) (laughs) did uh was uh mugsy in nba jam mugsy bugs is not in nba jam I, i i don't know if he was uh i'm exposing my bad fanhood Maybe it was later. I think it was a couple years later.
0: Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I know that. Uh, you know, I always play with the Lakers no matter what in a video game, and I know the Lakers and NBA Jam just are fucking terrible. It's like Oh, Nick they're Van trash. Excel and yeah, Evoch. yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> they brought back those like three hundred dollar cabinets. Dude. Uh, they're kind of smaller. I kind of want the NBA Jam one, especially because it's got like Wi Fi built in, and you can play people online. Apparently,
1: which oh, I can't. Wow. I can't understand. There can't be a player base that can support that. Yeah. But- Cause at the things my are so lowest, expensive. at my lowest in quarantine, I was definitely I was looking at that fucking cabinet <laughs> <laughs> and, going, and going, and going, maybe this will fix me. <laughs> yeah, right. I, yeah. I literally, dude, I had literally
0: just gotten my first stimulus check, and I'd went to Costco to try and find fucking like paper towels and toilet paper just so I don't have to worry about it. And that thing was right there, and I was like, Am I really about to get this thing? I decided against it, but there was a quick like twenty seconds where I was like, I'm gonna have to convince my girlfriend that I bought an arcade machine and it's okay for the house.
1: <laughs> oh if i'd seen it in real life that might have been that might have been game over yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah they have them set up at costco you know whatever they got like
0: all the varieties of them at least the one in louisville does
2: all right next question is from jonathan mcburney uh, he asked i wanted to ask max what non-comics media influences his work his comics have a really rich comics vocab in them but i'm curious about maybe the non-visual things he might be into
1: Non-visual things—is that just like uh, books, or like? Yeah, I guess it could be literature. It could be music. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, I have a tough time even thinking about things that aren't aren't visual. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a I'm a really bad reader of of actual books, but um, I really like the Thomas Pynchon books that are like easy mode pinches <laughs> where they're just kind of like uh, loosey Goosey, funny stories. So like Vinland is probably my probably my favorite book. Inherent Vice, obviously, is is great. Let's see. There's this book by Jonathan Lethem called Chronic City that was that was very influential on me on my way of thinking. I'm listening to a lot of records at all times. A lot of like cheesy '70s jazz funk. Nice. Hell yeah. That's. Uh, yeah uh, it's not my comfort zone outside of visuals it's like not the comfort zone have you
2: ever listened to uh like italian cop movie soundtracks from the 70s whoa i don't think so You should check. There's You know what? I probably have talked about this on the podcast like once already, but uh, there's a compilation available called Beretta 77. Yeah,
0: playlist rocks.
2: Yeah, it's like nothing but these tracks from various Italian-made cop action movies, and it's just like pure, unadulterated, dated funk weirdness. It's amazing. It's so good.
1: Yeah, that's definitely up my alley. There's a lot of- Yeah, like Italian library music that's just like completely anonymous, completely deliberately kind of not generic, but just not individual. Right. (laughs) Yeah, like made for the background. Yeah, yeah.
0: I like that stuff. Yeah, same. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's good to work to. Totally. Yeah, Yeah.
2: definitely, definitely. I've been trying to hunt down the soundtrack to uh, the Yakuza Paper movie series. I don't know if you're familiar with those movies. Mm -mm. I think the first one is called Battles Without Honor and Humanity.
0: Sounds sick. It's, it's amazing. Anywhere? It's like
2: a, it's a six or seven movie series that goes in like chronological order of the history of the Yakuza after World War Two.
0: Hmm. Okay.
2: And all the music from those movies is fucking amazing. I know there's some of the tracks available on YouTube. I'm just like looking for the whole album, but no right. luck so far.
0: Hell yeah. Did they, did they press it?
2: The, on vinyl, I have no idea. I know they released it on CD, so oh, okay. it has yeah. to be available digitally somewhere. So. Right. I don't, I don't I don't know. Yeah, I'm not collecting vinyl. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, I don't have enough shit that I'm collecting? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. Dude, <laughs> it, it got me. I went up to Jason Hamlin's pop-up store, which I guess is now just a store. Yeah, is he keeping it open? I think so. I think okay. he's, he's keeps extending it. But the fact that it had both comics and records like completely murdered me <laughs> i was definitely like oh at some point i'm gonna have to cut down on one of these Hell yeah, yeah. that's
2: that's a dangerous combo
1: was the uh, selection there mainly uh alternative indie stuff
0: because anytime i hit up jason uh through dms it's always to like find indie stuff or did he like have it curated with like a lot more superhero stuff since it was in a mall
1: I don't know if I'd use the word curated. It's just, like, fucking everything. It's dollar bins full of mainstream superhero stuff. It's, like, rarer superhero stuff. It was a lot of Indian alternative, uh, a lot of small press, like, grails. It was, like, if you, I don't know, have you seen his, his booth at shows? No, never. I think he skews at the kind of shows we go to more indie, but um, it was completely overwhelming. It was just like a super condensed version of that. I don't know if you've ever been, but there's this warehouse in Brooklyn, the Coke. Uh, I always want to say it's the Coke Brothers, but I think it's just the Coke warehouse. And it's like the Raiders of the Lost Ark warehouse of comics. And it was like if you shrank that into a fucking single room in a, in a bombed out mall. Nice. It was, yeah, if you're in the Richmond area, if you're anywhere within uh, driving distance, uh, get down to Cerebral Vortex.
2: You know, I think Jim Rugg has talked about that before.
1: I think that's – I've seen him post about that store, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I do remember him going there pretty often, kind of peruse the thousands upon thousands of long boxes in there.
0: Oh, are you talking about the warehouse in New York? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I thought – yeah. Yeah, Josh Pettinger asked, in our
1: discord describe your ideal sunday wow i can't imagine uh at this point in time like differentiating between days of the week (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) he's british
2: so it's fine yeah uh
1: uh, just for me i mean i I, my my routine day-to-day is pretty much the same it's like wake up at noon mess around with the cat (laughs) <laughs> On a Sunday, I'll probably try and leave the house and walk down to uh, my friend's gallery where I'm, like, stocking some zines and comics and seeing what's up down there. Yeah, this isn't a great question for me just because <laughs> my life is super <laughs> boring and every day is the same.
0: That's fair. All
1: right.
2: You fair. Get- what, about you? Well, what about you, Cam? What's your ideal Sunday? I don't know,
0: man. I just... Wake up, have like a good breakfast. Actually, Sundays are about to uh, be really nice for me uh, because I've you found I've a started... better church
2: to go to. Yes, no, <laughs> I've uh,
0: I, I've I've actually decided to like uh, get on like a pretty strict workout uh, yes, plan, diet right. regimen, and I'm intermittent fasting. But Sunday is going to be my cheat meal day. So uh, yeah, Cam is uh, cutting for yeah. the uh,
2: upcoming comic work trip.
0: Yeah, it's it's just like, you know, a nice little <laughs> three-month uh, reason to try and get in better shape so I can, you know, be active on these hikes we go on and so forth. So, you know.
2: My man wants to look good in the hot tub. Yeah, oh,
1: I t- thought you were, I thought you were like training to fight someone out there. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. You gotta get in the weight class. Hey, we yeah. still have
0: three months. So, uh, you know, somebody might want to <laughs> fight me that's going and we'll see what happens. No. <laughs> hey, we can set it up. Hey, Eddie P., if you're listening. <laughs> You want to come to Columbus in the woods? Yeah, if you want to come to Columbus <laughs> yeah. and fucking throw down. Uh, all right. Jazz asked in our Discord, what cartoon character did you identify most with growing up?
1: Oh, man. Trying to unrepress childhood memories. I guess the little kid in Foxtrot was always like the character I most identified with, probably. I think a lot of there's this critic Brian Nicholson who noted that a lot of cartoonists like share Foxtrot is like a, a personal touchstone. I don't know what it is, other than the fact that it was like a family structure and this little like nerdy genius kid that you didn't really see anywhere else, and he had like older siblings, and in a way, like I was trying I I was I was the oldest kid in my family, and to have cartoon older siblings in this comic strip that were like, Yeah, I listened to U2, and I'd go out and like buy U2's. <laughs> greatest hits <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely the one that i was like imprinting on the most Hell yeah nice. it's All a right. terribly drawn comic i mean looking back it was just like this source of like uh familiarity and i guess what most people get out of newspaper strips right it's just like yeah here's comforting. your Here's your fucking oatmeal. Yeah, (laughs)
2: exactly. (laughs) What about you, Cam? Any favorite uh, cartoon characters you identify with when you were growing
0: up? Yeah, I always, uh, honestly, uh, like my favorite cartoon growing up was Hey Arnold uh, and I liked Arnold just because he was like so chill and he was pretty independent and... Well, I mean, I don't know. It's like, you know, like I get like, you know, I was raised and, you know, I'd have to watch my brother and sister because my mom would work and uh, I just, you know, he was always like doing shit by himself and that's kind of what I was having to do, you know? So, I don't know. That sounds sadder than it was, but...
1: (laughs) See, I, I looked at I looked at Arnold on Hey Arnold and I was like, man, I'll never be that cool. Yeah. But he was kind of like, a,
0: I mean, like his room was cool, but like nobody respected him really. I mean, he was just kind of like there, you know, he was like right. the glue that held everything together. But I mean, like, I feel like nobody thought he was like super cool or anything. He always had to like prove his worth, I feel like. He's the Corey of Boy Meets World. There you go. Yeah.
1: I identified with Arnold from fucking Magic School Bus. <laughs> Just like- oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. What about Allergic you, Allergic to
2: everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. The cartoon character I probably relate to the most as a kid. I watched a lot of cartoons as a kid. <laughs> probably it's it's a toss-up between Ickis from All Real Monsters.
0: Oh, okay, sick. Yeah.
2: Like the the little red rabbit-eared guy. His character is basically George Costanza. Yeah. It's very funny.
0: Just like a nervous ball of energy. Yeah. yeah.
2: Very anxious. I can relate to that. That or Heifer from Rocco's <laughs> Modern Life.
0: Heifer is like
2: the dude's rock, but in like the non-toxic way, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just wants to
0: chill and hang out and eat. With his boys, yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Hell yeah. Simple-minded.
2: Yeah. Not, not, not a complicated guy. You know?
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: All right. Next question is from Audra Stang. She asked, how did growing up in the triangle influence your sense of design? Thinking about RTP, the former boroughs, welcome headquarters, etc."
1: Cool. Yeah. Shout out to Audra. One of the best in the game. Killing him. Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, RTP is the Research Triangle Park. It's like kind of the, like this amalgamation of like corporate headquarters and like tech companies that exists in the middle of North Carolina. And um, it's like this completely artificial, non city. And yeah, the biggest influence there was just like my dad worked for one of those companies in the, in the Burroughs Welcome building which was like this crazy, brutalist, like the whole building's made out of like hexagons and it's this massive campus. Uh, It's like super space age. You can actually see it. There's this 80s christopher walken movie called brainstorm that uh it was shot inside the burroughs welcome building so yeah like growing up my dad would like there'd be like bring your kid to work days and he'd bring me and i'd he'd kind of like just let me wander around so i was wandering around like into sections of this crazy building that definitely i was not supposed to be in like labs and shit and all the walls are at like crazy angles that they shouldn't be and that that kind of just like i think looking back probably just broke my brain <laughs> <laughs> and informed like everything and yeah so in the in the new book the the first real story in the book ten Leffitt, is like drawing from there's like a, a deserted nightclub that is basically that building hell yeah cool. i didn't know how to tie that together at all <laughs> <laughs> no it's all good in the discord Corey roberts asked what are
0: your favorite non-comic books we already covered that though so Cameron Hathaway asked, what makes you wake up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night?
1: I don't know, man. I sleep I sleep pretty solid.
0: yeah that i don't i don't wake up in cold sweats because i smoke weed and i'm just knocked out (laughs) yeah i wake
1: (laughs) exactly i wake up in cold sweats at like noon because i ate an entire domino's pizza (laughs) the night
2: before (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's just heartburn i think (laughs) Uh, nylon Horus asked if you're doing a classic heist or crime caper who's your crew and what's the big job gonna be
1: Oh, uh, I don't know.
0: I got my answer. I <laughs> Do you? Go <laughs> ahead. Yeah. All right. So, uh, I'm hiring. Ocean's Hugh- 11. Yeah. Well, kind of. I'm hiring Hugh Jackman and Swordfish because my man was able to hack while he was. You've seen the scene. And, uh, have you all seen Swordfish? No. Okay, Uh, so so, uh, Hugh Jackman is a hacker in Swordfish, okay, and John Travolta is like, he's trying, I forget exactly what's going on, they're trying, but they need him to hack into some shit to commit some crimes. To test how good of a hacker he is, they make this, like, European model go down on him while he's hacking, and they're like, if you can't get into the system in 60 seconds while getting your dick sucked, you're just not our guy. (laughs) So,
2: (laughs) okay. I like that that's how literally <laughs> wanted to literally him. <laughs> how
0: he proved his worth as a hacker. So yes. but so I would hire Hugh Jackman because he's obviously a badass hacker and I would have him wipe all student debt out. and you would have him getting top too. Yes, oh, yeah. see that's a
1: good one. Yeah, student debt is, I mean hell and you want to talk about SBA like I saw so many amazing artists like just like crushed by the weight of this fucking ridiculous endeavor it's kind of like the one of the most ridiculous things you can go into debt for is a fucking diploma that says cartoons right? (laughs) (laughs) yeah pretty dark yeah yeah i think for my heist i would want to uh have steven christie who is my uh label mate on ad house just released a killer graphic novel called turtlenecks oh yeah that is a art heist Story. And it's oh. uh it's a lot like the TBS network because it's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, what about you, JB?
2: Man, heist uh, I would probably want to steal the original WCW world title belt, the big gold, mm. from WWE. Yeah, the archives. Yes. And I'm hiring Ryback. <laughs> <laughs> because he's been in there before. He knows what it looks like. So he'll be able to figure out where we need to go. And I'm also hiring, trying to think of people that have gotten fired recently.
0: You should just hire The Rock because he could do whatever he wants. So, if you guys get stopped, The Rock's going to be like, I'm taking this. They're going to be like, sure.
2: Yeah, that's true. If you have The Rock, there's like no need for any of this, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah, The Rock can walk in and just take it, do lines of coke off of it, upload or it to Hogan. Instagram. Or Hogan, either
2: one. Either one would probably be able to get us the, the keys to the door.
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: But I just want Ryback back there anyway because I think it'd yeah, be funny. For sure. Just just, just for comedy.
0: Hell Yeah. Alrighty, And All right, last we question. Have, uh, we
2: have no listeners now.
0: Came from. <laughs> last question. We've already kind of talked about this, but anything you want to add, Gavin Mackey wrote in on the Discord. Talk about the SVA experience. Is there anything that you want to put a pin in? Anything else that you want to bring up? I know we kind of touched on it in the interview already.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, first off, I want to say what up to Gavin. He was uh, a classmate of mine at SVA. Okay. And I would love to uh, hear about his experience. Great, great cartoonist. Uh, one thing I didn't mention before was that I was in the dorms all four years on 23rd Street and uh, Lexington uh, as the George Washington Hotel, which sounds kind of like Eloise, but it was like this complete like deteriorating building. It's just a brick box with like so much history. It was like kind of like a seedy hotel at the turn of the 20th century. And then it became like an SRO and it had like a lot of like what we heard, I don't know if it's 100% true, but we heard that it was a lot of like outpatient housing for like the mental hospitals. And then mm. when the school started leasing it, a bunch of those occupants had rent control. So we were staying in this in this building with um, a bunch of crazy old people. Mm. And that was a deeply valuable experience. There was a guy on my floor uh, freshman year who died. And we didn't find out about it until the smell oh, wow. kind of Whoa. leaked out into the hall. And then we were, we were, I mean, we're fucking art school undergrads are fucking sociopaths. So we were joking <laughs> about it. We were like, oh, the the old guy, the old professor, finally, finally died. And then one day, I come out of the elevator, and there's fucking police officers all around his door. It's just like, no, no. <laughs> But there, uh, it kind of made it into the comic because there was this guy on my floor who uh, would just kind of, like, scream to himself at all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. Cool. And he was super nice when you talked to him. Really nice guy. He had an unauthorized biography of Renee Zellweger. <laughs> and, and he kind of had this script that he'd riff off in his room and he'd be like, I had to work in an office with these, with these assholes. Do you know what that took? Do you know what that you don't even have any goddamn idea. And then when you'd see him, he'd be like, hey, did you, uh, hey, buddy, did you hear me practicing in my room? That was pretty good, huh? Like he was doing <laughs> fucking sides. So that building is now like a, uh like bougie, shabby, chic hotel <laughs> that you can like go to the rooftop bar and spend $8 on a Takati. And I, uh, I, I'm grateful that I got to be in that building before it was that.
0: Hell yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a uh, one of a kind experience. So at least you have the uh, (laughs) stories to, uh, you know, take with you. So before we get out of here, though, Max, where can people find you on social media, find your work online, get your books, etc?
1: Yeah, Max Huffman at Max Huffman on all social media platforms. That's Huffman with a U. Uh, Unlike the kid in my high school class, all four years, who was Max Hoffman with an O Uh, (laughs) and made my life hell. MaxHuffman.com. My web shop from back when I had dreams of, like, branding is uh, motiongoods.co. And, yeah, Cover Not Final should be out in comic shops when you hear this. I, I'm I'm proud of it. I think it's a good comic book.
0: Hell yeah, yeah, I can attest to that. It's a really good book, so definitely pick that up. And, uh, you know, as always, we appreciate you all listening, and uh, stay gutter.